You're listening to a message from Victory. Discover how we can grow in deeper trust in God in week two of our Christmas series, Hark! Now, we jumped off to look one. Uh, we finished last week on Zechariah and Elizabeth. And today we'll look at the life of Mary. This was maybe around three to six months after Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 25. So we now move to Luke 1, uh, chapter 26. It says there in the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So again, this story happens in Nazareth, in a, in a city called Galilee. Okay? And Nazareth at the time, the saying goes, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Okay? It means uh, the town was so simple, it was actually a very poor town, nothing good comes out of it. You don't even talk about Nazareth. And now God sends an angel to this city named Nazareth. And when the angel came there, he went to a woman, to a virgin named uh, Bethrod, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, there's two characters here, Joseph and Mary. We all know this, the parents of Jesus. Now, what we don't know is sometimes the image that's portrayed outside is so far from how Mary or Joseph would look like. Mary at this time would be around uh, minimum 12 years old to around 16 Push na natin ang 18. But somewhere in the middle, from 12 to 18, that's how Mary looks like. Mary doesn't look like the 20 or 30-year-old that we see on the posters that uses bello or mena to make her skin really white. She's not. She's very poor. She's like a peasant girl. Okay? She's dark because she works outside. She's not white. She might have rough hands. So this is very far from the image we see on the Belen or on the posters or whatever is out there. This was a very young girl. Not even maybe a teenager if she's 12. She's very young. And now she's engaged to be married. Okay, now engagement before is not the same as engagement now where a young man would kneel down and say, will you marry me? Okay, this would take at least a year. Okay, where you're engaged to be married and there would be no sex within that time. So... You have to stay pure and holy before God, which actually is applicable up until now, okay? Right? Uh, I know a lot of people enter into premarital sex, and that's not the way to go. And so for Mary and Joseph, they were engaged to be married, and it was one year long. Now, Joseph was maybe fresh out of high school or college, also a very young guy, very poor. Both of them were poor. So the direction was they were going to live a very simple life. So this was, they were from Nazareth. Nobody knows them. They're very insignificant in the eyes of the world. And God sends an angel to Nazareth. And out of all the women in the world, God chose a 12 to 17-year-old girl for this very important task. That's why Mary is, for me personally, is the most important woman in history because of the task that was given to her. And we need to honor Mary. Okay, we need to make sure that Mary is honored because of what she did. And now in verse 28, He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Angel came out, went to this little girl, Mary, and says, Greetings, the Lord is with you, you are favored. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Why would you show up to me? I'm from nobody. I'm from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of here. I'm just working, doing my work outside the sun. 
And again, just like last week, if you do your work, God shows up. If you're tamad, God doesn't show up. Okay? And she was just doing her work, and God shows up, an angel shows up and tells her, you're favored. Now Mary was discerning, what is this about? Why did you come and visit me? Why was she favored? Now if you make a research on the life of Mary, there's nothing. There's nothing in her 15, 16 years of existence that would make her favored. Aside from she's a virgin, which you should be at the time. Nothing special about her, but why did God chose her? It's not because Mary was so good. It wasn't Mary was sinless. It was because God is good. And, and whether we disagree with this or not, what we can see is there's no qualification whatsoever except that you're a virgin for Mary to be chosen. And this is what the spirit of Christmas is all about. And the spirit of the gospel, the message of the gospel. That the reason Mary was favored was because she was good, was because God is good, not because she was so holy and she was so good. It wasn't. So Christmas, in Christmas, what happens? For me to receive favor, I need to what? Perform. If I, need, if, if I want a higher bonus and perks, I need to perform. In Christmas parties, for the kids, you need to dance nene, okay? Or whatever's the latest, or PPAP, okay? To get your money. Right? You perform in front so that the ninong and ninangs would take out their money and, and give you money. And that's the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is saying, you've got to do something, you've got to perform so that you'll receive favor. Mary did nothing. It was very clear in scripture. She did nothing. Angel appears. She's fourteen, fifteen. Mary, you are favored. If you could see, God chooses unqualified people like you and me. This is very normal in Scripture. There was a message here. That's why the Christmas message, it's so glaring. Out of all the cities in the world, God chose Nazareth, Galilee. Out of all the first witnesses, shepherds, outcasts of society. Out of all the hospitals in the world, stable, manger. Witnesses, donkey, rabbit, horses. What was God doing? God was sending a message to the world. This is what Christianity is all about. Chooses ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. I don't need to earn my way to receive God's favor and God's love. As a Christian, I am already favored and loved by God. That's why we don't get tired walking the faith. Why? Because we understand we're already favored. We're loved by God. I don't need to dance so God will notice me. I don't need to do good. I don't need to get two echo bags so that I'll be more blessed. I'm blessed. That's why I got two echo bags to give. Right? And that's Christianity. That's the message of Christmas and the message of the gospel. It was glaring. God was communicating to us in this. So Mary said, why me? Uh, what did I do? There's nothing. It was just because God is good and God has chosen me. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found what? Favor with God. Again, the angel repeats, Mary, you're favored. Mary, God chose you. God is so good, that's why there's favor on you. Favor means I don't deserve it, it's given to me. It's a favor. Lord, thank you for the favor. Religion teaches us I need to do to be favored. I need to do good works. I need to do this. I need to have charity. And that's what religion teaches us. 
I need to read this certain kind of book and these certain chapters of the Bible. I need to pray and I say my prayers every day, this three times, five times. I need to do all those things to be favored. That's what religion teaches us. That's why a lot of people are tired with religion. And that's why people, you know, they do their Christian or Christmas duty of being good in December because it's expected of us. It's performance-based. I need to do to be favored. That's why the most famous song is what? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is watching you because we're Christians, right? So we change from Santa Claus to Jesus Christ. But it's the same spirit. It's anti-biblical. It's not biblical. It's always perform, perform, do, 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 do. So Christians get tired. That's how we train even our kids. If you don't do good, you know, you won't receive this. You won't eat. You know, you won't. It's all, it's all performance-based. Religion teaches us to do that. I need to do this so I'll feel good about myself. Now, the gospel declares that as Christians, we are already favored. Not because of what I did, but because God is so good to me, I'm already favored by God. And that is the thing that transforms me. For me to understand God loves me, God favors me, God, God is gracious to me, that changes me. That transforms me long term. Not short term, long term. Because that's the message of Christmas. It reminds us that there was a hero who will come, who will save the world. And he uses a prophet like, a, a, a priest like Zechariah. And now a virgin named Mary to launch the biggest story that would save mankind. And then the angel said, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. So imagine the conversation in this small town of Nazareth. The 14-year-old Mary and this big angel Gabriel saying, God picked you. God chose you. Mary was can we just say she's 14? Okay. So that I won't do 12 to 18. Okay. 14. Okay. Say she's 14. God chose Mary. Picks her. I hope you get this. God picked her and entrusted to her who? The Son of God. Jesus. You know, we have kids. Right? Some of you have kids 12, 13, 14, 15. And what do we entrust them with? What's the usual thing you entrust them with? Gadgets, right? I entrust you with this. Make sure, like this, like that. We have a very old phone, and we entrusted it. It was It's a four-year-old phone, and we entrusted it to our eldest daughter who's turning 11. And we had a lot of conversation before we entrusted her with this old phone. It's like, I know, is she ready? I don't know. Oh, maybe, oh, maybe she'll do this. Or maybe she, oh, baka may makita sa ano. Baka mag-search ano. And back and forth, back and forth conversation. Let's inter- no, no, not yet. No, maybe, oh. And this is just gadget. We're so careful, right? Nako, baka, baka if she has the gadget, when there's people, there's a party, she's antisocial, she'll just do their, her thing. Or she has her headphone and she's not lit and she's listening to questionable music. And those were the conversation. And this is just a gadget. Now, of course, my daughter's just 10. But Mary, God did not say Mary's just 12, 13, 14. God entrusted Mary with the Son of God, Jesus. This should now make us think, what do I entrust the next generation with? 
Or do we always re- relegate them to oh, just watch Spongebob or Barbie or whatever? Or just stick with your gadget? What do we entrust them? Because when God sees the next generation, and God saw this 14-year-old girl, she said, I will entrust her with something so important, and I'm giving it to her. That's why she's favored. God entrusted her. What do we entrust? Our sons and our daughters. I hope we graduate from entrusting them with such trivial things and start creating an environment and a culture in our home that we can entrust them with bigger things. God picks her. God trusted her. See, God chooses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Don't ever say you're 14 or 15 if you're young. Mary changed her world. Mary stepped up and said, let me do this. I'm game. God chose ordinary people. Throughout Scripture, you'll see ordinary people just doing ordinary work to do extraordinary things for God. And then He said, the angel told Mary, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And, 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 and the Lord God will give to Him the throne of His father David. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom, there will be what? No end. Imagine the conversation between the 14-year-old and the angel. God is entrusting you with this baby. Call him Jesus. By the way, 14-year-old, this Jesus will be the savior of the world. This Jesus came from the line of David, the one that you studied in, in kids' church. This child will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You get it, Iha? This was Mary being entrusted. And when the angel said that, it was to fulfill prophecies of thousands of years ago, starting in Genesis 3, verse 15. It says, I will put, when Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus talked to the serpent and said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What does this prophecy mean? It meant, sabi ni God, in Genesis 3, serpent, one day, somebody will come. You strike the head of my sons and daughters, he, the rescuer, will strike your heel. You're going to be destroyed. This was Genesis 3. And now it's happening in Nazareth. With a 14-year-old girl. This is the baby. Call him Jesus. He will reign forever. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. God coming down on earth in human flesh. Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Big things entrusted to Mary. And that's what I said last week. Mary's story and even our story is just part of a bigger story of God rescuing the world through His Son, Jesus. That's why we honor Mary. But that's the same reason why we don't worship Mary. Because Mary was just part of a bigger story. She's, again, personally for me, the most important woman in history. But then, we don't worship her. We respect her. We honor her. You don't bash her. 
Or else, when you see each other in heaven, she will slap you. Okay. But, what she did as a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old girl, such a big task. That's why she's favored. That's why she's honored among all women in the world because of this. But Mary's life was just part of a bigger story that was about to unfold. And when imagine when Mary heard all of this, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? This wasn't a statement of unbelief. This wasn't questioning God. What this meant was, in this line, what Mary was saying is, game, go. But, uh, by the way, I'm a virgin. And that's not the song, okay? I'm a virgin. I can't. I'm engaged to be married. Some of the women were stoned to death because of this. There's such a social stigma with this, knowing that I'm a virgin and now I'm pregnant. What's the press release here? I'm good with this. I'm good with the plan. Thank you, Gabriel. Not like Zechariah, when Gabriel showed up, he questioned the angel. This one was saying, I'm good. I'm good with the plan. But how are we going to do this? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In short, the angel said, it's going to be supernatural. You're just going to get pregnant. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and will make you pregnant. Again, the implication was a social stigma that forever people will say, Oh, that Mary. Oh, this is what happened. They were engaged to be married, but they had sex. Neighborhood, 50, 100 people. Barangay. The reputation, the social stigma behind this. Poster and memes coming out saying, Look at this wicked woman who would do this. But Mary said, I'm good, I'm game. I'll go. If this will fulfill what the Lord is saying, I'm doing it. You know, at this point, you have to understand this was really hard to do. And there's two things that comes into play for every Christian. It's to trust and obey God's plan. I trust what God is doing. I don't understand. I trust. I trust Him in His benevolent wisdom, in His infinite wisdom and benevolent heart. He knows what He's doing. I'm trusting and therefore I'm obeying. There's a high price that Mary had to pay for her obedience. You know what else you can see here? Marriage for Mary was not the ultimate goal. In fact, Joseph was saying, split na kami niyan. Buntis eh. I'm not the guy. Right? And, and Mary, what's your reason? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's why the angel had to show up to Joseph and tell Joseph, no, no, it's true. Marriage was not the ultimate goal. Her identity or public reputation was not the ultimate goal. It was not an issue for Mary. What others would think, I need to, you know, I need to defend myself. It wasn't. Doesn't even have to. She just said, I'm game. I'll do this. Her comfort and her security was not the ultimate thing. She'll have a hard time finding a job after this. 
Why? Should be outcasts. It wasn't about her security or comfort. This, from a 14-year-old, giving her this responsibility. And then the angel said, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month, with her who was called, what? Barren. The angel was encouraging Mary. This is going to be supernatural. Trust and obey God's plan. Why? Your cousin Elizabeth. Did she message you already? Barren Elizabeth? She's preggy Elizabeth now. It's supernatural. It could happen. Mary had to trust. You see, trust and obedience go hand in hand. You can't say, I trust and disobey. So if you're disobeying God, there's trust issues. Or you can say, I trust, I don't obey. Or you can even say, I obey even if I don't trust. You can't do that. How would you feel? If your son, last night, you said, Son, go eat. Okay. Is that obedience? Is that trusting? It's not. It's the same way with God. Trust and obedience would go hand in hand. Trust and obey. You got to learn how to trust. You have to first trust the heart of God before you can obey. You can't obey without trust. You can obey on the outside, but internally... There's disobedience. Trust and you obey. And then the angel told Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. This was not taken out of an Adidas commercial. Adidas took this from scripture. But what was the context here? The context was trust and obedience. God wants you to do this. I don't know, I'm not sure. Trust and obey. Nothing is impossible with God. If you feel, I, I don't think I can obey. No, nothing's impossible with God. This isn't about believing God for three houses or a beautiful wife. That's not the verse for nothing will be impossible with God. This wasn't about parting the Red Sea. It was trusting and obeying that God will part the Red Sea. It was trusting and obeying that a barren woman could give birth. It was trusting and obeying that in spite of the social stigma that will happen, I trust and obey your plan. Lord, I'm game. I'm good. I'll trust and obey your plan. And Mary said this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. We'll end with this verse. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. When Mary learned to trust, she had the posture of a servant saying, Lord, I am your servant. Game. I'll do this. I don't know what this will entail, but I'm game. Let me do it. Let it be to me according to your what? Word. Whatever you say, I'll do it. This is the spirit of Mary that we all need to apply in our own lives. If God tells us to do something, the response should be, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Lord, what do you want me to do? Let it be to me according to your word. Oh Lord, you want me to give up that relationship? <gasps> oh, that 
would be hard because nobody makes prattle to me. So now, right? Lord, this is the only person who loved me, but it's leading you to sin. Cut that off. Or, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Forgive that person. Oh, but Lord, the pain the person caused us. No, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. The response should be, Lord, game. Let's do this. Let it be to me according to your word. And I'm not just talking about big things. Oh, give up that business that's bringing you millions because that's illegal. I'm not talking even about that. Let me share some of the things that God told me. Very trivial, very small. Okay, It could be as small as this. I downloaded a game, bought it on sale, $4, NBA, on my phone. But it led me to a lot of nights where I was just playing until 1 a.m., 1.30. And the excuse was to relieve stress. Okay. Sorry guys, eh. nilabas ko yung mga secret natin. Okay. To relieve stress. But I was sleeping late. Therefore, I was groggy the next day. And the Holy Spirit kept telling me already, not just my wife, even the Holy Spirit. Okay, okay. Two separate entities, okay? Okay. Erase the game. Very simple. Erase the game. <sighs> Hours. I mean, my season. It's playoffs. Why erase all the hours? God told me when I do something, do it with all your heart. I need to finish this. <laughs> hours. Nights. Of just playing. Give it up. Erase. It's simple two steps, right? Long click, X. Three steps. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. I think eight months ago, I said, are you sure? Yes. It has led me to read more, re- read more books, spend more time with my family, and be more productive. It's just a game. Yeah. Something as trivial as that. Lord, I am your servant. Because God cannot entrust me with bigger things if I can't give up on this $4 game that has cost me hours. I'm not saying quit your NBA, especially if you're in the finals. Finish it this this week, okay? Okay. One last, okay. But then (laughs) you quit after, okay? Because it will destroy you. I know it's trivial. More than 10 years ago while fasting, the Lord told me, quit Soft drinks. <gasps> Lechon. Soft drinks. Ginhawa. Ibang Pasko kung may... Okay, anyway. It's hard. More than a decade of no soft drinks. Again, I'm not saying quit soft drinks. I'm just saying... Because there was a prompting from the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's no prompting from... But maybe for me. Maybe because we're prone to diabetes. Or I don't know. Or maybe because we're all... And we need to quit it. And I'm just saying examples. There are a lot more things the Holy Spirit is telling me to quit that I cannot divulge yet because I haven't quit on those. Okay. (laughs) Next week. Okay. But I know there will be more things. And if you know it's the Spirit of God, 
the response should be, Lord, I am your servant. Game. Let it be to me according to your word. And it might have a ripple effect over your life. The small things that you're doing. Excessive gym hours, excessive Facebook, flirting on Facebook, Facebook, okay, face, book, whatever, okay, that the Lord is telling you, prompting you, oh, that small thing, what you're doing, give that up, right? The response should be, Lord, I'm your servant. Because we need to respond when it's still small. Because after we respond in the small things, God will give us bigger things that we need to quit and respond to. And say, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Question. Are you game when God tells you to do something? Are you ready to trust according to the word of God? Trust God's word so that I could obey. Now, how can you trust and obey? One more thing. How can you trust and obey if you don't read the word? You can trust and obey somebody you do not know. That's why you need to read the scripture. I remember January when we had a preaching about spiritual disciplines and reading the word. A lot of you brought your Bible and bought your Bible. A lot of you downloaded Bible on your app, on your phone. How's your Bible reading? It's December. Game? It's saying, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. That's why Mary was entrusted not just to babysit, but to carry the Son of God. If we are to be entrusted with bigger things next year, our response should always be out of surrender and worship. Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. What are those things that God is telling you to do? What are the things God is telling you to give up? What are the things God is telling you, now you need to do this? And after you answer that question, second thing is you have to ask, can you reply with this? Lord, I am your servant. Okay. What if God tells you today, your 13th month pay, that's not yours. That's to pay off your debt. Would your answer be, Lord, let it be to me according to your word? Or I rebuke you in Jesus' name? What's your answer? Okay. The 13th month pay, all of that, it's for the poor, not for you. What's going to buy me? Can I respond and say, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Again, I'm not saying that's what God is saying, but I want you to listen. I want to end with this. When we listen, you scramble the words. The way to listen is, the same answer is on that word listen. Scramble the word listen, you can come up with the word silent. Hear from God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Baka tagal na sinasabi ni Lord sa'yo, Uy, pa-disciple ka na. Kinukulit ka na nung pastor mo. Twice a month. Right? To be disciple. Can you say, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. 
Huwag ka na mag-live in. Mali yan. Kung mahal mo yan, pakasal mo yan. But Lord, hmm. Lord, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. We'll have an exercise today as we end. Can we all bow down our heads and pray? I want you to listen to God. I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be silent. Listen. Be it unto me, according to your word. Lord, we know that there are things that you're telling us to do. There are clear, specific instructions that are according to your word. I pray that I would trust your heart. I would trust your character. I would trust your nature. Because I know, God, I could make my plans but it's you who will direct me so Lord may we trust and obey God's plan may we trust and obey God's word Lord may we get the spirit of what this season is all about Lord that you've chosen us to do great things for you extraordinary things we need to have a posture of a servant that our response would always be Lord I am your servant I'm game I'm ready be it unto me according to your word Lord there are people that we need to forgive debts we have to pay attitudes we need to change practices that needs to stop relationships that we need to give up Lord let it be unto me according to your word no matter how hard, because by your grace, by your power, I'm game. I'm ready. Just like Mary, I'm ready. Lord, do your work in me starting today. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.